Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Josh Brammer. He has helped uh, sell and developed custom services, including software apps, um, software and apps, video design, and marketing services for over a decade. And he realized the hourly billing rate is nuts and there had to be a better way. His focus is uh, helping business owners in a service firm make their shift to more profitable, value-based business of business model. A few ways that Josh helps service firms uh, increase their revenue with recurring and value-based services, helps teams get bigger, better results for their customers, and make the business more profitable for its fun to run your business again. Josh helps business owners streamline their business so they can deliver predictable revenue and faster growth with their firm or their service firm. Josh, thanks for being on. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So Josh, I, I think we've known each other for, for a couple of years now, just cross paths, um, you know, through networking events and that kind of stuff. And I really love sitting down with you a couple months ago about your, your new model um, of, of trying to, uh, of helping people and seeing kind of um, the, inef the inefficiencies. Um, my biggest thing is, is uh, right now, um, what was your biggest, um, reason why you you went on your own so the main reason i i started this business is i kept seeing the same problem over and over again for about 10 years and something inside of me said there's got to be a better way to to help with this um the the short answer of why i went out on my own is i continued to see this problem that if you imagine that every business is made up of marketing sales and then delivery, there are these three different pieces of the business that should all work together as a funnel. But what happens in a service firm is because you've got so many smart and talented people, you constantly change what you're delivering, you constantly customize what you're doing. So sales and marketing can never keep up and, and really predict what revenue is going to happen because you you can be so creative and so customized on the delivery side, which causes all sorts of business problems to scale and grow and market and sell and, and all of the, the pains that come with running a service business. So when I did my intro, and especially with this hourly work and, and being a service business, how do you get yourself out of hourly working in order to scale your business? So th the main way to do that is really counterintuitive. Um, part, part of what, what you look at is imagine that the, the funnel that I was talking about, where you've got marketing, who's sharing the message of what you do as a business, sales, who's qualifying people and, and getting people to say yes to work with you, and then delivery. In order to actually make more money, you have to pick the problem that you're solving. It could be a variation of different problems, but what, what can really help you scale a service business is if you pick a specific situation that you help with and you really dial that in, you get really efficient at it. So one of the traps that, that comes with a service business is imagine that we're talking about an indie car team. So they've got this IndyCar team. Their goal is to get around the track as fast as possible to win the race. But you've got the pit crew. If the pit crew was, was being paid hourly, 
they would take as long as humanly possible to change the tires and put the gas in the car, which works against the whole goal of the race. If you start to think about the delivery team in a service business and realize if your job is to, to quickly and deeply solve a client's problem as efficiently as possible, you have to break your mindset away from, from charging hourly, from tracking hourly, because hourly thought actually makes you really inefficient and draws more and more time to it. So it's kind of like a magnet to inefficiency. So the, the trap with hourly is if you think in hourly terms, you're always thinking about how long things take instead of focusing on solving the client's problem as quickly and as, as efficiently as possible. That, that's a really good point there with there, Josh. Um, so in order to solve you know, the client's problem, when you're delivering a service, um, going more to more of the customer experience, you know, why does why does the customer experience play such a huge role in running a profitable service firm? Sure. So with customer experience, I like to think about it this way. Imagine that you have two options to go to a restaurant. You're hungry for a burger and there's two burger joints right next door to each other. Customer experience is the the differentiator between why you would pick restaurant A versus B if everything else is equal. The burger's the same quality, the price is exactly the same. Maybe what's different is the wait staff, what they wear, what the, the ambiance of the restaurant is like, what the, the server experience is like when you, when you sit down and you order. So if you think about a service firm more like a restaurant, the way I think about it is imagine that what you're doing as delivering the service is actually more like theater than it is just delivering the service. And I learned that lesson early on in high school. One of my first jobs was I was a grill chef at a place called the Chocolate Moose in Farmland, Indiana. And the funny part is my mom worked there um, 20 or 30 years before, maybe maybe I'm doing the math wrong. Maybe I won't give away how old she, how old she is. Um, but she worked at the same place as as this little soda shop when she was a kid. And then they reopened it as the chocolate mousse when, when I was in high school. And on the first day, the owner got us around and said, guys, you're not just making food. You're not just delivering food. This is a theater production. If you have to sneeze, you, you walk slowly back to the back. You sneeze as silently as you can. You wash your hands. You come back out because we don't sneeze on stage. And that really stuck with me that I wasn't just flipping burgers. I wasn't just making milkshakes. I was actually doing a production where they could see me doing my work. And that was actually one of the reasons that people would come in and think their food was so delicious. So that, that kind of stuck with me. So to me, customer experience is really about how you deliver the value and what it feels like to get the value delivered to you. It's not just about um, what you do behind the scenes. Those things are, are how you can be efficient with your work, but the customer experience is what the, the end client or customer feels as they're interacting with you. Well, now, since we're talking about delivery and we're talking about food, I'm getting a hungry, <laughs> um, but here's a, here's a, a good a question for you is why um, are marketing sales and delivery a chicken and egg situation? 
The reason I think that that sales and marketing can be chicken and the egg is imagine it this way. Imagine you were a bookkeeping firm. And as a bookkeeping firm, you could describe your services this way. We take your big shoebox of receipts and we take it off your hands. Now you could describe it another way. You could say, we keep your QuickBooks updated. We make sure that you don't have to log in and file your own receipts. Those are two different ways to describe the exact same thing. Now, now think about it a different way. Let's make this into a story. And I use a framework called StoryBrand to, to help with this. So make it into a story and say, as a business owner, you've got enough on your plate. You've got piles of receipts that are coming out your ears. What we do at Bookkeeping Firm is we take that off your hands so you can get back to business. You don't have to worry about finances. We're going to handle it and be the back office that you wish you had. And what happens is when you tell it as a story, people's brains turn on, but you can't tell the story unless you figure out what pain you're solving and get it first to your marketing and then carry that through to your sales. So I consider that a chicken and egg because if you start on the delivery side of it, your sales and marketing message is never going to be the same as what, what the final interacting with your customers like in the delivery process. So I, I think you have to line them all up and you have to get them you know, lined up like an arrow. It's just got to be a straight shot from, from marketing all the way through the final customer uh, delivery, you know, even to the point that, that they get an invoice every month. Does the message align? Does the brand align? Does the customer experience align? And if you can line that up, and it, it no longer becomes a chicken and the egg. It becomes one cohesive experience that helps you grow. So what you're saying is instead of a loop, it's more like an arrow. Yeah, I, I think that if you think about it in terms of, of, of an arrow, it, it helps you know that you really have to pick the direction. You have to pick what it, what it looks like for a straight shot. And that will solve so many problems. Um, I, on the pre-call, you, you, you mentioned a, a, a situation about um, doing some, some work for a client. And one of the things you mentioned is really common for what I see. People will come at a service business and they'll have seven or more services. And they, it, mentally, they stop and think, I'm diversifying and I'm making my business stronger. But actually what they're doing is they're making seven times the work for their team and seven times the work for their sales team and seven times the work for their marketing team. And because of that, you now have 21 areas of failure in your business where you could have weak, weak links in the chain. And if you, can, if you can simplify that, then your sales and your marketing are going to generate a lot more impact. You're going to get a lot more ROI. Your customer experience is going to be a lot more streamlined. Most businesses, if they're a service business, could probably double their profits in two years simply by dropping you know, probably 50 to 80% of their services and really streamlining what they do. That, that's, that's a really, really good point. Yeah, I was kind of debating on that, that client too. Why did they have all those services? Um, and here, here's, here's a good question for if they, if they have multiple services, if they have a few, um, no matter what, like how do you define your service to the right type of clients? Are you asking how how you define that? Yeah, how do you define yeah how do you define your services? If like you have a certain service, 
um, no matter how many services you have, let's just, how do you define that to the right type of clients? I know it's going to be more work, but if it's more, <laughs> if it's more services, sure. but uh, yeah, how do you, how, how do you find the right type of clients out of that? So that is the biggest question that I see when it comes to running a service firm. Um, working in marketing firms for the last 10 years, um, I, I heard an expert describe it this way. He said, most marketing firms actually operate their business like they're a white, unmarked van. You drive up to the client's office, you get out of the van and say, oh, my appointment today is about a logo. Let's put the branding sticker on, on the van. And you get out a big magnet that says branding firm. You stick it on the van. You go inside. If they look out the window, they see that you specialize in branding. And because of that, you have to wear multiple faces and you have to have multiple processes. What I would say, and this is, this is super simple advice that took me about 10 years to learn. Most businesses should focus on two things. What's your biggest source of revenue and which client makes you the happiest to work with? Sometimes there's not alignment in a business where you have clients that make you happy, but they don't make you money. They don't make, they're not profitable. And so sometimes you have to pick somebody else. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a type of client that you still enjoy working with. Um, but if you can't pick a highly profitable service with a type of client that you actually really enjoy working with, then you should get out of the service business. You should start selling products. You should start you know, selling cell phones or something. Most service businesses actually chase too much of the money. And because they try to chase too much of the money, um, the, the joke in a lot of, uh, a lot of design and, and web de de development agencies is, um, I say, who's your perfect ideal client? And if they're honest, they'll say the one who has budget. That's really what it comes down to is do they kind of need what we do? And do they have enough budget that I'll put up with, with whatever quirks the client has? And that's one of the reasons that I've launched out on my own, because what I found is if a firm takes a strong stance and they are really, really good at, at something, they become really craftsmen about that and they pick a target client, they can be really successful. But if somebody doesn't differentiate themselves and they kind of take anybody, um, it, it just becomes a mess. Um, so, so to answer your original question, you got to pick your biggest source of revenue and you have to pick your favorite type of client to interact with. They need to bring you energy. If they don't bring you energy on a day-to-day -day basis and working with them and you can't get them results, then, then you need to pick a different type of ideal client. So this leads to me my next question about like we were talking about, you know, A, B and C kind of clients. Um, can you kind of describe like what you mean by, you know, what the different letters of the, and, and the difference between those? And why do we get stuck with the quote unquote uh, C clients? Sure. So um, this was shared with with me by um, a, a sales professional here in Indianapolis. His name's Sean and different Sean than you. Um, and, and what he, what he described, um, it helped me visualize something that I'd really been stuck, but trying to figure out for a couple of years. And he described it this way. So imagine there's a bullseye and in the middle of the bullseye, there's a really tiny circle. And that's a, that's your a client. 
They're the perfect, profitable, ideal, energetic, gives you energy. You want to high five after you deliver their project work. They're the best fit person. Your marketing should target those people and draw those people. The next circle is a little bit bigger. Your B type of client is anybody who's in the sphere that you can do really great work. They could potentially be a referral source. Um, you know, it, it's not stepping outside and doing seven different services. It's in still in your core service, but they might not be in your core market of of the A type of client. Outside of that is this this no man's land that we don't want to enter in anymore, and that's your C client. C clients are the ones who drain you. They're not profitable. They're so far out of left field that it throws your team out of sync. They have to spend a lot of time, you know, driving to their office and and doing extra work, and the the scope is is going out of whack. All of the problems that you have um, trying to really ser- service A clients really well. Your C client is somebody who feels so out of left field that it just leaves you exhausted. My biggest advice is if somebody's trying to pick what target market they're going after, pick a really tight A client base that's as tight as you can get it to to look at how many clients you really realistically need any year and stop taking the C work because sometimes you take the C work um, and literally I, I I talked to somebody the other day they what they said is uh, sometimes I take that five thousand dollar project because I I need to do X Y and Z, and their typical ideal client is like a thirty or fifty thousand dollar project. Imagine how many C clients you need to make up that at five thousand dollars a pop, and it's sucking all the energy out of you. That's where inefficiency comes into some of this because you over service those clients and they drain you. And they really just distract you from doing the best work that you can do. So we talked about the problem with your A, B, and C clients and how people focus on C clients. Can you tell me about your model you roll out for clients that you call the uh, the service pyramid? So the service pyramid is 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 my approach to helping somebody create predictable revenue. So the idea behind it is... Imagine right now you're a service firm and every time a new prospect or a referral comes in, your your process typically looks like this. Hey, so-and-so needed this. Is that a project that sounds like a good fit? The next question might be, well, how much money do they have? So people go into a room, they start estimating, they start guessing at numbers. They, they, they try to imagine, can we deliver a service at our hourly rate? And, and they, they, they come up with a piece of paper. And that piece of paper is the magic of a proposal. They throw the proposal out into into the world. They hope that it gets signed. And then you bring that client in and they just kind of go through this process, however long the project takes. A lot of times that's where a lot of energy is wasted in a firm because you spend a lot of time estimating, a lot of time guessing, a lot of proposals that, that uh, that, that don't work. The alternative that I use is the service pyramid. And in the service pyramid, there's a couple of assumptions you need to have up front. One is you pick your ideal target client that brings you so much energy. And the next piece is you've picked a defined problem that you help with. So let's use the idea of bookkeeping as the example. Say typically what a bookkeeping firm might say is, 
hey, how do we get started? Well, we talk to the client, we figure out what their needs are. Okay, well, how do you figure that out? Well, you have a sales meeting and you come up with 19 bullet points and then you throw some hours at it. That becomes the, the monthly fee and you go, hey, for X amount of dollars a month, we're going to do these 19 things for you. Client, do you like us? Do you have the money? You shake hands, you sign the contract, you get rolling. What happens after that is in a traditional firm, every client project is completely customized. Well, in a service pyramid, it's different. In the service pyramid, it looks like this. Step one is a, a free strategy session. You figure out, are they a fit? Do they have the pain that you solve? Can you solve it in the way that you always solve pain? So say, you know what? They really need to get their bookkeeping online. They don't have QuickBooks up to date. And, and they've got a, box, a, a big you know, shoebox full of receipts. Well, in the service pyramid, you would qualify in that first sales meeting, do they fit the rest of our pyramid or not? If they don't fit your pyramid, you find referral partners and you send them off to somebody else. That means that you're going to send more B and C clients off as referrals and build your network because you're only going to take the A and the B clients who really fit, fit the rest of your services. The next step is you imagine this pyramid as it goes down, you have maybe you have an assessment or you have a strategy or you have some sort of first offer that you really get paid to create a custom plan for them. So instead of doing a free quote, you actually start helping them solve their pain. You give them some clarity. You give them a plan that they can work. And from that point on, they know exactly what they need to do. Those 19 bullet points now probably become four or five bullet points. The scope becomes way more locked in. And the next step that you can do is maybe a trial project that lasts three or four months. Maybe it's a website project if you're a design firm. Maybe it's a logo project. It's whatever that first step logically is that's going to take more than 30 days. And then after that, the final piece of the pyramid is the bottom is more your recurring service. So however you help as a service firm, stay in the loop and really continue to solve that pain time and time again over the course of years so that you can help that, that client be the best that they can be and, and grow a stronger business. So the three steps of the pyramid are a, a small strategy to, to get somebody a clear plan, a, a first engagement that's, that's usually you know two to three, four months. And then the final step of the pyramid is the ongoing recurring service that you create. Now, what I found is most firms are trying to create predictable revenue, but they actually never align on the pain that they solve. So their pyramid can never get stacked up in a way that makes sense for them. Does that make sense? That, that makes perfect sense. I mean, <laughs> and, you, and you laid it out a very linear, um, I think, which a lot of people would really like. And that's, I mean, we, I think I've asked the most questions out of somebody um, in this time frame, there's about seven questions <laughs> in here. And um, you laid out a, a perfect story of how you started, background, where challenges have met, and, and how do you solve this? And here, how do, is, this is how you build it. Um, so we're moving to the offline background kind of um, the episode, a part of this episode, the section. Can you let people know like how you have helped companies? Um, through your process of how you've worked with them? Sure. So um, some of the things that, that I've done that, that have helped people, and, and this took me a while to realize, is 
I see a link when, when you're thinking about the line of marketing, sales, and delivery. I spent about eight years of my professional life in sales and operations for marketing firms. Now, I originally came as a youth pastor who did creative services and video. That, that was my background. So I've always had this communication slant to what I do. But what I kept seeing is all of the operations problems that keep coming up actually start way back in marketing or sales. So one of the examples of that is um, I joined a startup here in town. Um, when I joined them, I was the, the vice president of customer experience. And what that meant is they had one full-time person who started as an intern and then became a project manager. And her job was to deliver 100 apps to, to these clients. They had 100 contracts signed and we had zero software. We had absolutely no software built because the development team was still creating the thing that, that the clients had signed for. Now, that's a little bit of a secret in the, in the world of startups. You know, sometimes they don't have what they say they're going to have, but it's a fun, it's a fun learning experience to, to put yourself in that situation. Most startups do a great job of keeping clients' expectations on, on board. But part of what I was able to help them with is we had to design live as, as the business was rolling, what the delivery process of creating something out of this contract and delivering it to the client. And so what, what we ended up doing is we created a strategy kickoff that we would walk clients through to really set sales expectations, really get, get the criteria of what, what they thought they bought and what they needed. We documented that and made a project management system. So then we could walk it step by step through the process work with development, work with design teams, work with you know, app developers. And what we had to do is we really had to line up what was the client's goal? Why did they spend money on an app? And what did they think they were going to get? And really line that up and, and kind of make that the straight shot arrow so that at the end of, of the process, when they got their app and it was live in the app store, it did what they thought it would do. And through that process, a few different things happened. For instance, early on, every time we made a proposal, a sales guy would say, hey, I need custom screenshots for this app. And he would go over to somebody and, and, and you know, tap on the designer's shoulder and they would open up Photoshop. They would mock up what this app could look like and they would, would put it in the proposal. That process made the, the copywriting change. It made the photography change and, and, and the app design change. And because of that, every app that we delivered early on kind of didn't didn't match exactly what was in the proposal. We'll talk about the customer experience. There's going to be a gap there. So what we had to do is we actually had to streamline the, the, the proposal part. We had to make it so that there was a very templated proposal that every client got so they didn't get their expectations out of whack with what we could deliver. When we did that, we ended up saving like 200 hours of time between the sales team, the copy team, and the designer and that designer was able to shift and do better UX design for the actual software that, that we created. So that's just one example of how we, we had to align the, the, the proposal with the delivery project management system so that there was a straight shot all the way you know, through, through the business. Josh, thanks for that story. That's, that, that is, you would never know um, how much like a, a simple thing would take in order to, it's not simple, it's a simple idea, but a lot of execution to help streamline the whole business. Now, 
talking about streamlining, that's what you do for work. And we're moving to the section of more about more about you um, and less about um, your work. But my first question is, what do you do creatively that you bring back and, you know, bring back to work and what you do in life that gets you energized? Well, honestly, my wife and I watch a lot of Netflix. And one of the reasons that that I do that is I've been really a storyteller at heart since since I was in college. I, I went through video production training at Ball State. That was my major. And I've always linked kind of psychology and storytelling together. And so one of the things that I do is I watch a lot of, of television because I enjoy seeing how you can take a formula and watch how an episode um, works and see it unfold in real time. But it still brings so much enjoyment to to watch those characters and and see see what's going to happen and and it kind of opens that story loop of what's going to happen next. So I I actually enjoy watching and kind of absorbing the framework of how stories are told through television, and that that's one of the best ways for me to recharge because it it helps me realize that in its in its most energizing way communication is a formula and if you don't try to force it and you actually kind of understand and follow the rules of of how brains work you can create really really compelling stories uh that that you know drive businesses forward so that's that's uh that's the short long answer that i watch a lot of netflix <laughs> I do too. I think a lot of people. If, so the other part is, um, if you're not binging on what Netflix, what do you do health wise um, that makes you um, more successful? Like, just an example. You can either it can be it can be you know um, working out, or um, it can be meditation. It can go be going to church. What do you do that helps you get centered again? Yeah. So um, my my wife and I go to a church called Mercy Road, and we just we love uh, the outward focus that that church has. Um, just on that, it's not about it's not about getting into a building. It's about living your life in a way that that helps other people. And so that's one of the ways that I found that um, it, it's almost a way of being mindful and 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 focusing on how do you serve and how do you help more people. Um, along with that, I eat a lot of kale. Um, I found that, um, making salad was actually one of the things that I enjoyed. So when I was at that startup, I actually, uh, had a, a kind of side business about making salads for my coworkers because I, I tried to challenge myself to not eat like hamburgers and stuff like that all the time. But I found that there was a couple of ingredients that I could use. And I had like these 20 different ingredients and I tried to combine them in all different ways. Um, and so you, you'll kind of see the, the theme of um, experimenting and formulas are kind of part, part of what I do. So cooking and, and experimenting with, with things like that is, is one of the things. The other thing I do to relax is I drink a lot of caffeine, which might seem counterintuitive, but um, it, it, it's just one of the things I enjoy coffee a lot. Uh, so I'm actually drinking a nice coffee right now. Hopefully you can't tell. <laughs> well, well, you're on converged coffee, so any type of coffee is acceptable. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm enjoying some cold so, brew that I made in my toddy right now. So, uh, so I highly recommend go. 
I, I highly recommend uh, a toddy for every home. So Josh, I really enjoyed this episode with talking about streamlining businesses, customer experience, um, articulating all of the questions that I, I answered uh, and, and answering those very exact and, and, and I think giving the converged coffee drinkers um, actionable advice coming out of this, as well as um, for them to get to know you of like what your background is, what do you enjoy? Um, what do you enjoy to bring back to what your passions are? Because a lot of people are like, well, I just work all the time. How do you do other things so I just don't have to work? But, you know, how do I keep my mind fresh and active? So, Josh, I really appreciate appreciate you being on this episode and uh, sharing your story. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap. Um, Converge Coffee Drinkers. Uh, check out Josh uh, Bremer at joshbremer.com. And um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks.